0: THE BIBLE CONTAINS GREAT FINANCIAL ADVICE AND ALSO ANSWERS QUESTIONS OF MORALITY. JOIN US AS WE LOOK FOR ANSWERS TO YOUR QUESTIONS AND HELP YOU KNOW YOUR BIBLE. WELL GOOD MORNING, WELCOME TO KNOW YOUR BIBLE. WE'RE GLAD YOU'RE BACK TODAY AND uh, WE HOPE YOU'RE READY TO GET SOME ANSWERS TO BIBLE QUESTIONS. Because that's all we do on this program is answer viewers' questions. You'll notice a website and a phone number at the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us. You tell us what you'd like us to talk about. You direct the program and we get all kinds of questions about the Bible directly, and a lot of questions about life that people want to know what the Bible has to say about some certain topic. So, that's what we do is answer your questions, and hopefully that'll help you know your Bible a little bit better. So, give us a call or log on and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Let me introduce Toby Levering. Toby's back. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm glad you're here and ready to go and studied up, and we're going to cover as many questions as we can today. But we always start with one for our audience, and today is from the Old Testament. lady named Hannah. Uh, She gave a child to the Lord, literally gave him to the Lord. And uh, what was his name? What was that child's name? And we'll give you an answer to that at the end of the program, see if you and your family know that little bit of Bible information. Toby, looks like you drew the first one today, so you get to start us off.
1: And it's a good one. (laughs) Uh, Our viewer asked the question, if there is only one Bible, how can it be viewed in so many different ways? And my answer to that is it has a great deal to do with your attitude towards the Word of God. Now, as a viewer of this program, if you're watching, uh, my guess is that you have a desire to know more about God's Word. We do our best to answer questions here on this program, and we might get six, seven, eight, nine questions per episode. but. Uh, We always invite you to open your Bibles, to follow along, to read with us. There's a reason for that, because we believe the Word of God is what has the power. Now, some people have a different attitude toward the text. Uh, They don't believe that the Word means what it says. They believe it means what I want it to say, or they believe it means what someone else says it says, And so the the difference in attitude is key toward the outcome uh, you'll receive when you look at a church or a group of folks. What's their attitude toward the Word of God? Here's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. We'll have it on the screen, uh, or you can read it in your Bible at home. Preach the Word. Be, Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Uh, in today's world, of course, it's extra easy to find almost anyone who will preach almost anything you want to hear. Uh, and it, they may reference the Bible, but uh, the question is, what is their attitude toward the text? Are they willing to mold themselves to the text, or are they always trying to mold the text into their worldview or into whatever they're preaching? And that distinction is very important. On this program, our desire is the approach that we believe when you read the Word of God, and you do your best to understand the Word of God and you obey and apply the Word of God, that's what brings about the kind of change that God desires. Some people read the Word of God and then they argue with the Word of God or they try to explain away the Word of God uh, or they simply ignore the Word of God. Uh, that is, That approach will get you into trouble and you can find any number of pe- pre- people who will preach uh, whatever your opinion might be. Uh, But my approach is whenever God's word comes into conflict with your opinion, uh, your job is to change your opinion as quickly as possible. Our goal on this program and hopefully in your life is to do what God's word says to do listen to what God says because what anyone else says matters very little let's read 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 Paul writing again all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work so read it understand it and most importantly apply it and obey it and that'll lead you to where God wants you to be
0: all right, very good explanation there. Got a question about meekness. What does meekness define meek? Well, the Bible uses that word uh, quite a bit about certain people and it sounds like weak, uh, so sometimes we get that in our head that 's what meek <laughs> means kind of a milk toast kind of person that uh, is very weak and not strong and all that. But if you read the Bible, it uses the word "meek" for a lot of very strong people. Uh, Moses was quite a leader and it calls him the meekest man ever. So uh, it doesn't mean weak. And I thought maybe the best way to explain it is I just looked up a number of definitions and picked out a few that I thought described meek pretty well. So let's just put those on the screen and see if we can learn what meek means. Uh, One definition was mildness, gentleness of spirit, or humility. Another one said, humility toward God and toward others. And then the last one was interesting. It says, having the right or the power to do something, but refraining for the benefit of someone else. You notice most of the first couple use humility a lot. So I think that's a pretty good key to the the word meek. And the last definition there uh, is somebody that has the right or the power to do something but chooses not to do it uh, to benefit someone else. So all of that pretty much comes up to humility and not putting self first and all of that. So uh, meek is mildness, humility, gentleness, uh, not exercising the right or power that you have. Uh, Perhaps a good example is Jesus. There's one song I believe calls Jesus meek and mild. Uh, He's meek uh, and when you think about that last definition of having the right to do something but not doing it. uh, When he was on the cross we sing a song that says he could have called ten thousand angels. Uh, He had the power to do that. He had the right to do that. Uh, But he chose not to. Instead, he died on the cross for you and me. So he he didn't exercise his power for the benefit of someone else. He was very meek. So hopefully that helps you understand meek a little bit. And uh, it's not weak. It's... More like humility. <laughs> okay, good
1: answer. A viewer had a question about where does it say? Uh, where does it say a woman shall not be shaved or shorn? Well, that particular verbiage is found in the King James translation. Uh, but I think what you're referring to is 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. This is not on the screen, but you can look it up. Uh, Every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven uh, or some say uh, shorn. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. Okay, now... (laughs) that's where it talks about it you might read that and have some concern uh... what paul's talking here about is a cultural aspect in there in that time that for a woman to have um, uh... not have a head covering or to have uh... uh shaved uh, a head was a sign of sexual promiscuity that was uh, one of the uh, temple prostitutes and prostitutes of that age that was that sign that that was that type of woman and so Paul's here saying, uh, <laughs> you need to make sure that you're not uh, associating or people looking at you and saying, Oh those Christians are <laughs> uh, those type of people Paul is saying uh, and he's addressing worship here he's going on to say that in worship it's very appropriate to show the proper respect and authority uh, toward God so um, some take that literally and and require head coverings and some in their you know, wear head coverings. Uh, we don't believe that's a requirement. That uh, Paul goes on to say, a woman's hair is her uh, is her covering. But uh, I believe what, if you look at the context of the scripture, is talking about a proper attitude of reverence and respect during worship. Uh, now let's read First Peter chapter three, verses three and four. I'm sorry, Peter says your beauty should not come from the outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather it should be of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So that's where it is. And if you look at the context, you understand Paul's talking about propriety and proper attitude (coughs) in worship.
0: All right. Thank you, Toby. Let's take just a minute and talk about a good way to study the Bible. Uh, we like to study it with you and cover a few questions every week on this program, but there's so much more in the Bible that we were on for a hundred years. We'd never get the surface scratched very well. Uh, so we advocate home Bible study, and we know that's easy for some folks. And harder for some folks to get started in home Bible study, so we've got some tools that we're happy to send you, some materials that we'll send to you in the mail, and they're a good way to study the Bible. We've got eight lessons in this first series that's on the screen right now, and uh, it's just a good overview of the Bible, good basic Bible study. starts out uh, real simple with the Old Testament and the New Testament. What's the difference between those? and helps you understand that and when they were written and why they were written and then goes on to some other topics in the Bible. So good way to get grounded in understanding your Bible a little bit better. And then we've got more advanced courses that we go on to after you get that one finished you can keep studying for a long time uh, with Know Your Bible <coughs> Study Tools. So happy to make that available to you absolutely free. Uh, we pay the postage. Uh, all you got to do is invest a little bit of your time. And uh, if you do, I think you'll know a lot more about your Bible when you've been through some of our courses. So give us a call or log on. Let us know you'd like it. We'll get it to you. All right, question. uh, What is the age of accountability uh, for kids, for people? (laughs) What's the age of accountability? Uh, And I imagine about part of our audience is thinking... Okay, that's a good question. I always wondered what the age of accountability was. And another part of our audience is thinking, what's that talking about? Uh, The reason that may sound funny to some of you, it's not a Bible term. Uh, Age of accountability is not in the Bible. Now, the concept's in there, uh, but it doesn't talk about it, and it certainly doesn't give us an age. It doesn't say this is the age of accountability. Uh, Let's read a scripture, and then we'll talk about the age of accountability a little bit first. This is from Acts chapter 8, and it's the story of a man who's from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. He was the treasurer. And Philip went to study with him in his chariot, and most of you know that story. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "'Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized?' And Philip said, "'If you believe with all your heart, you may.'" And he answered and said, "'I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God.'" (laughs) And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. All right, there's a salvation story, a conversion story. Uh, But the point, why I read that is, you see what happened there. The eunuch learned something about who Jesus was. That's what Philip was preaching to him. Uh, He learned about baptism and responding to the gospel and obeying it, all that. And he said, could I do that? And Philip said, well, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you may. And he said, well, I believe that. And so Philip baptized him. So there's a lot of things in there involved in salvation, is hearing and learning and understanding and being able to believe and confess and repent. We learn other places. So all of that takes some level of understanding. Okay, now, here's the concept. Uh, We know a baby, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, can't understand that. Uh, Yeah, they can believe that Jesus is, but they don't really understand the concept of sin and trusting Jesus and repenting. They don't have anything to repent of and confessing that Jesus will be their Lord and uh, all of that. So a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old can't do that. At some age, we become able to understand that and able to know what it means to really trust Jesus and all that. So when somebody says, what's the age of accountability? That's what they're asking. What is that age when a child goes from not being able to understand it to being able to understand it enough to obey the gospel? When are they accountable for what they do and what they trust and their sins and all of that? Like I said, the Bible doesn't say it doesn't tell us. And I think God did that for a reason because it's probably different for every child, uh, every young person. Uh, Some very young think they understand and probably do and we have to, as parents and uh, church leaders, kind of talk to them and understand and listen to them and see if they understand what they are doing or not. Uh, Some it is much later in life that they really come to to understand that. Some people say that well the Jewish world and the Hebrew world uh, at 13 a young boy became a man. And that is true, but God doesn't put that in the New Testament and say 13 is the age of accountability. That's a pretty good guess. It's about when most kids start thinking a little more seriously and start wondering about their eternal destiny and all that. But some do it later. Some do it a little bit earlier. Uh, So the Bible doesn't give us an age of accountability. And I know I've rambled around a lot here to say I don't know the answer. Uh, But that's the truth. It's an individual thing. Uh, talk to a young person, ask them questions. Uh, if they're serious about it, you'll know they're serious about it. And If they aren't, you'll probably be able to figure that out too. So, No age of accountability, but such a thing does exist. We just have to figure it out in an individual case. <laughs> okay.
1: uh, the next question is about baptism. Is baptism by full immersion the only way to be saved? Well, of course, the only way to to be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith, what that comes down to is, do you believe Jesus enough to do what he said? Uh, Very simple definition for me. Uh, Acts 4 verse 12 says, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name given under heaven to mankind by which we must be saved. So we know Jesus is the only way, and we have to listen to his instructions. And he was very clear, uh, whether it was Mark 16:16 16, 16 or Matthew 8:28 28, Matthew 28:18 28, through20. Uh, we'll look at Mark 16:16 16, 16 on the screen. Let's see what he said. Uh, "Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned." So Jesus never said anything about inviting him into your heart or saying a sinner's prayer. Um, it was simple. You know, if you believe and you're baptized, the word "baptize" is simply a transliterated word, meaning uh, to be immersed. And so, if your question is baptism only by immersion, is that the only way? There technically is no other way to be baptized. If you are sprinkled, or if there's another uh, pouring, or something like that, that's technically not "baptizo," the original word. There, uh, that word means to dip and to plunge, to be buried. Underneath, And so, yes, uh, baptism by immersion is simply saying immersion by immersion. <laughs> you can't do it any other way. Uh, so, yes, if you believe Jesus and you trust in His Word uh, this, and you haven't you know, taken Him at His Word and done what He said, then you need to do that. So believe and be baptized and uh, you will be saved. The Scripture
0: is quite clear. All righty. Thank you, Toby. Uh, interesting question. Uh, why is Jesus called the Lamb? And I think I say it's interesting because a lot of us that uh, were raised in a, a church or a religion, uh, we've just kind of known why Jesus is called the Lamb. But uh, somebody new picking up the Bible and reading and seeing that Jesus is called the Lamb, would, that's a good question. Uh, why is He called the Lamb? Well you got to understand a little history first and then it will be very clear. So let's do that. Uh, in the Old Testament days starting with the Passover when the Israelites were in Egypt uh, to get them out God sent the death angel. And if you know that story uh, He told them so the death angel would pass over their houses uh, they had to sacrifice a lamb and put some of the blood over the door. And that would indicate to the death angel. Well it was a picture that somebody had to pay the price. And that was the sacrificial system. Uh, The lamb had to die to save the people. Well, all through the Old Testament we find that. Uh, Sacrifices for sin. uh, Sacrifices to atone for someone's sins. Uh, Well, if you grew up knowing that, then if you happened to be there that day when John the Baptist was Preaching and Jesus came walking up, it would make a whole lot of sense to you when John said this. And let's read it from John chapter 1 and verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, if you'd been raised an Israelite and knew the sacrificial system and understood all of that, when John said that, the lights would have come on. You'd have said, okay, I know who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. He's the one that's come to pay the price for everybody's sin. He's the Lamb of God, and He'll be the sacrifice for our sin." So that's the answer. That's why He's called the Lamb of God, because He was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, he went to the cross to pay for our sins, and uh, He did that. So He's the Lamb of God. All right, let's take this minute and invite you to visit a church of Christ near you. Uh, we like to mention a few of our supporters every week that help keep us on the air. And Today I'd like to mention the Burlington Church of Christ. If you live up in southeast Iowa or in that neighborhood, uh, the Burlington Church of Christ are our partners up there and help keep the program on the air and uh, do a lot of good work up there with our program and other good works in their community. So uh, if you live in Burlington or anywhere around there, uh, stop in and visit them sometime. Uh, maybe you know some member of that congregation. Uh, tell them, hey, I saw your church talked about on Know Your Bible the other day. I like that program and appreciate you keeping it on the air. So uh, give them a, a word of thanks on that. Of course, any market you live in, if you're watching Know Your Bible, there's probably a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, we invite you to visit one anytime. If uh, you're searching for a church home, you'd certainly be warmly welcomed at any Church of Christ. All right, Toby.
1: I made someone upset, Steve. Oh, no, oh, no. So, yeah, we, uh, do, we
0: do that every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> every once in a while.
1: If you post a statement, uh, I am upset about your answer about marijuana. The facts were not presented, only the propaganda. Genesis says that every seed is good. Okay, well, uh, we'll say on this program that our goal is not to say what we think you want to hear <laughs> Uh, nor is it to give uh, an exhaustive, comprehensive answer to every issue brought up, necessarily about this one, but all issues. Our goal is simply to go and look at what the Bible says. So let's do that. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 11 and 12. Uh, this is where it does talk about the seeds. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees, and on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so, and the land produced vegetation. Uh, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds and God saw that it was good well see God made the land and he filled it with the the land and uh, the vegetation, the plants and the trees and he said it was all good well that's fine uh, God doesn't say that every plant and tree was made for us to ingest or to inhale or whatever. Um, we have to use common sense with that, and, and we can use common sense and know that uh, marijuana is a poison. It's a toxin, and it's full of carcinogens and all sorts of bad stuff. And when you roll that up and dry it out and smoke it, it's not good for you, you know. And it may it's going to produce some. Uh, some after effects, shall you say, and that's why most people who smoke it like it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you or uh, endorsed by God. So be careful about reading too much into what Scripture says. Uh, Just because it's there and it's good uh, doesn't mean you should go out and you know, take the thorns that are in your yard and, and crunch them up and make a casserole out of it or something. So, God never endorses smoking marijuana. In fact, He says quite the opposite. We've got to take care of our body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to treat it good, take care of it. And I don't, uh, we, there's lots of evidence that marijuana is not good for the body and it's bad in a whole lot of other ways, too. So. <laughs>
0: All I'm not
1: sure I won him over, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully you can explain our
0: approach on the program. Anyway. You probably just upset him more. Yeah. I'd, I'd just tell him to mellow out a little bit, but that would probably and upset he, him too. He
1: seems really uptight. <laughs> huh?
0: There, i will, uh, will add this. There do seem to be some medical benefits to some kinds of marijuana, uh, the, some of the chemicals in it. And actually, I read the other day that there's another species of marijuana that's much more helpful medically mm. uh, but it doesn't produce the uh, highs that people like mm. uh, so this whole medical marijuana thing but kind of a <laughs> con job actually. Uh, there are some that are much better for people but uh, they choose the ones that make them feel good so uh, it's the old age old thing, man finds something to make him feel good and uh, on this one they've they're turning the country they're changing things as fast as they can to let everybody feel good but I don't think you can use the Bible to justify that (laughs) All right, let's see if we can squeeze one more in here this person says I heard that if Satan steals something from you he has to repay you seven times is that in the Bible Uh, I had never heard that before so I did a little research on the internet to see if I could find that taught anywhere I did find one place where somebody reasoned uh, that Proverbs 6.31 uh, says that uh, a thief has to repay sevenfold, and then the next step was well Satan is a thief so that means he has to repay sevenfold. That is a huge leap of logic that is definitely not taught in the Bible. Uh, Let's think about it this way. I don't think Satan operates by a code of ethics. Uh, so, if he steals something from you, uh, even if he says he's going to pay you back seven times, he's a liar. <laughs> he's the father of liars. So, I, I don't think he operates on any system like that where he has to pay back anything. Uh, just not not in the Bible, not a biblical concept. Uh, Perhaps somebody kind of got the idea from there are Old Testament laws uh in exodus twenty two and other places uh, where God made legal laws that if somebody stole an ox or stole your donkey or whatever uh and it dies, they have to repay it two times or three times or seven times and uh, <coughs> there's a system there that how valuable something is somebody steals your livelihood, they have to pay it back seven times. So maybe somebody kind of mixed that up with Satan's idea, but no, that's not a Biblical uh, statement, and it's certainly not even a Biblical concept. Uh, Proverbs 6.31 says a thief, uh, if he gets caught, uh, he'll have to repay sevenfold, and that just means that he's going to be in a lot more trouble than if he didn't steal. So, uh, But no, Satan's not bound by any contract to repay anything i wouldn't trust him for any of that (laughs) all right let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today and it was about hannah and her son uh, that she asked god for and she promised that if he gave her a son she would give him to the lord and that was samuel And you read that story in first samuel chapter one the whole story is there uh, she took him to the temple and gave him to the priest Eli and said, here, let him serve the Lord. And she'd visit him every year. And uh, Interesting story about devoting someone to God. So we're out of time today, but we're glad you've been with us. I uh, hope you'll be back with us next week. We'll answer some more of your questions on Know Your Bible. If you haven't signed up for the correspondence course, today would be a good day to do that we'll come back next week and we'll see if we can get your question answered. I'll know your Bible and help you know your Bible a little bit better. So thank you for being with us. Uh, tune in next week. We'll cover some more of them. Until then, you have a great week. The of the Lord ever know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area.